0: You're listening to the JT The Brick Show, where the Raider Nation has come to sound off and react for over 20 years.
1: It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, this is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleepin' mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. GT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free for all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who, who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense? And could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now... Sound off like you got a pair.
0: Here's JT the Brick.
1: Inside the building... I think one of the best buildings in all of professional sports, still brand new, still a gorgeous, gorgeous studio And the first show that I'm doing live from Raiders training camp after another day out there with the pads on at practice, got a chance to take it all in with a lot of members of the media, Raider families were out there, man, a lot of fans, had a chance to talk to a lot of fans that I've known for two decades plus and some new fans, so really excited to be in the building here today, a lot to get to. Nothing crazy at practice. Again, I don't go crazy at practices on interceptions or tip balls. Just want to see high energy. I had a chance to talk to Josh McDaniels before practice today. Always great to see him and the rest of the staff. And I'm excited to be here. This is go time. It really is go time. And I want to hear from you today as we're wrapping up the Raiders all-time team at wide receiver. And it's kind of a term I use a lot, trippy. Ever use that term with your buddies? It's kind of trippy. This is kind of bizarre. It's interesting. It's not precise. It was never supposed to be precise. It was a discussion. But we'll release the Raiders all-time team at wide receiver in the second hour of the show. I'd like to hear from you. If you didn't get in the first day or two on this topic, I got to hear from you today in the first hour, 702-365-9200. The debate really comes down for me. This is a radio debate. This is not official which someone told me today as I was in the building, who has an official job. This is not official. This is a summertime Raiders radio promotion exclusively. But my toughest decision is Art Powell, Warren Wells. Warren Wells, Art Powell. A lot of young Raider fans don't know who I'm talking about. Google it. And maybe that's the biggest part about this show that we're doing is trying to get you to YouTube, try to get you to Google, try to get you to talk about the greatest players that ever played for this organization. The other big deal is Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice will be on my list, but he is not an all-time Raider great, even though he's the greatest, greatest receiver in the history of football, period. Just like Emmitt Smith. If we put together the all-time Arizona Cardinal running back team, all-time, we wouldn't have Emmitt Smith on the list, but I'd bring him up, even though he was a Dallas Cowboy. So Jerry Rice will make this list Because as I did the research on this, Jerry Rice played 54 games for the Raiders. 54. And as I look at Art Powell, Art Powell played 56. And Warren Wells played 56. How could I mention Warren Wells and Art Powell and not mention Jerry Rice? They all played pretty much the same amount of games. Where do you put James Jett? Where do you put Willie Galt? Amari Cooper is still 15th all-time. All-time on the Raiders list. When it comes to yards, not bad. He had a really big impact here. Swerving Mervin Fernandez, Jerry Porter. As a caller mentioned yesterday, Marcus Allen is seventh on the all-time receiving list. Can you believe that? Marcus Allen is seventh behind James Jett and in between Jerry Porter. Guy played halfback. Guy played fullback. The guy played receiver. He could do it all. And I think we know where we all stand with guys like Tim Brown, Fred Belitnikoff, and Cliff Branch. On this all-time list here, but as I went down the list and looked at some of the other names of receivers, and you've been helping with me a lot here, Doki Williams, Willie Galt, as we mentioned again, we go down the list, Mike Ciani, I talked to Phil Villapiano on the ride over, name drop alert, name drop alert, driving over, I talked to Phil, I talked to George Atkinson today on the field on this topic, the old-timers love this. I hope you love it. We're getting tremendous feedback. Not everybody's going to love it because they think it's kind of choosing between one or the other. We're just having a fun conversation. But some of the old-timers who I'm on the text thread with love this, and they've been enjoying it. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. If you want to jump into the show, uh, jump on in, uh, 702-365-9200. Harry will be in for me for the next two days. As I drive, actually, I hope there's no monsoon, I leave the show and I drive to Los Angeles to host the Jim Rome Show on Thursday and Friday. That doesn't interfere with our programming here from 9 to noon if you want to get a chance to follow me on television tomorrow on CBS Sports Sportsnet. Uh, they don't have the radio here in town, but keep listening to Raider Nation Radio. I'm doing some summer double dipping and still paying for college and doing radio shifts like I'm a radio bartender. So that's where we're going as we open it up. Great day at camp today. Uh, everybody's talking about what happened yesterday with Michael Mayer getting, I would say, bullied, pushed around by Mad Max. That's fine. That's what happens. Mad Max Crosby is a physical beast. And the best thing that could happen to a Michael Mayer, this is no longer Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's a hell of a school and this is no longer Division One, NCAA. It's the pros. And Michael Mayer had a rough day yesterday against Max Crosby. Here's Josh McDaniels, who was asked about that earlier this morning at his press conference. Okay, I can't hear that sound, so I can't play that sound if I Absolutely. can't hear that and, sound. And,
2: and, it, and it, wasn't a, it wasn't a bad lesson. It's just, you know, it's his first day in, in pads in the National Football League. I mean... Some, there's a baptism sometimes that happens. I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, and, and so, um, you know, we all learn hard lessons uh, in this league. And, um, but, but the hard ones are sometimes the best ones. And so um, <clears throat> he had a great attitude yesterday about, you know, just seeing the things that he wasn't doing right. And, and that's why we, we were so excited about having him here and being able to draft him um right mindset tough no back down um you know learned learned it's different you know what i mean it can be it can be different for 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 different people depending on who you're playing against so he um you know he'll be better today because of what happened yesterday and that's what max wants Max wants him to be better and and to compete as as much as he can as hard as he can
1: on every play I thought he played well today from what I saw you know I can only see so much depending on which side of the field they were on but I mean, he's an explosive player. He's a very powerful player up close, and he looks young, and Max didn't expose him. Max is just better than he is at the point of attack at the line of scrimmage. I love what Coach McDaniel said about the baptism of what happens at the first day of camp. Michael Mayer will have a moment throughout the season. He's going to have many of them. hope this guy has a big year this year, but no one will ever forget in this organization what his first day ever with pads were, and people are going to talk about this for decades to come. If Michael Mayer turns out to be a great Raider, which I hope he does, people will joke with him and talk to him about, hey, remember that first practice in pads? I do, where Max was throwing him to the ground, but he was getting up, and he was persistent. And as Josh McDaniels said, something to learn from, and he had a great attitude about it. He, this is a grown-ass man who still looks young. Remember what Gronkowski looked like when he came in as a rookie? And I've seen those photos of that. When you get pushed around by someone who's bigger, stronger, faster, and just sharper than you, that's going to happen. And Michael Mayer came out today, and as far as I saw, looked really good. So we'll get into that. We'll talk about Michael Mayer. And the thing I wanted to tie in with all of you about Michael Mayer is there's a lot of positive press coming out of New York, all over New York, about exactly what's going on with Darren Waller. And I knew that would happen because Darren's a really good guy. And he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. In the community. So everybody's talking about in New York, which is a bigger media market than Las Vegas, on how big of an impact Darren Waller is going to be. Good for him. He should have a big impact. Darren is a hell of a player, and he's healthy. He wasn't healthy here last year, and he moved on to the Giants. But Mayer has to step into the shoes of Waller. He's not supposed to be that explosive receiver in year one, but maybe he can develop— into a better blocker at the line of scrimmage. He could pick up blitzes. He could get out there and just be a road grader and then catch six or seven balls a game in the red zone as Devontae's being double teamed, and they're looking for Josh Jacobs to get the ball out of the backfield. I'm expecting big things from Michael Mayer. This this does not have to be a warm-up year for him. This does not have to be a growing year for him. He can grow at training camp and get his ass whipped and thrown to the ground and have maybe a struggle or two Remember, this guy's going to go up against Nick Bosa. All right, we're talking about him going up against some really good guys when we're talking about what's going to happen with the scrimmage schedule for the Las Vegas Raiders. So Michael Mayer is going to get thrown into the deep end of the pool early in training camp in scrimmages, and I would assume he's going to play a lot. I, I'm just assuming we're going to see Michael Mayer play in the preseason. I don't think he's going to be bubble-wrapped because we're going to need him ready to go. So love what I saw from him today. Josh McDaniels also talked about building and having fun. They did a lot of good things yesterday. Some guys were better than others to celebrate those moments when they do make good plays and go have some fun. All right, Danny, I'm not hearing the sound here, so I can't play that. So we'll get out of the sound And we'll get out of the monologue here until we can get that fixed. I apologize for the technical difficulties. We'll figure this out momentarily. If you want to get on the phones with the Raiders all-time team, uh, let's do it now. 702-365-9200. Get you going right out of the gate as we open up the show. 702-365-9200 when we figure out how to play these audio cuts, which are really good today by Josh McDaniels. I'll get to that when we fix that coming up here momentarily. A lot of other NFL news out there, but jump on in before we decide who's going to be on this Raiders all-time team when it comes to wide receivers here in a little bit. Let's get out to the phones to see if that's working well. Chris in West Oakland as we open up the show. Chris, thanks for calling in. What's happening? Hey, JT, a couple of quick hits before
3: I give you my all-time receivers. One, it's I'm glad you mentioned Marcus Allen as the seventh leading receiver still in Raider history. You know, I think people forget what a great receiver this guy was, and he wasn't just your running back swing passes down the field. You can ask Jim Plunkett. They lined this guy up as wide receiver, and he ran passes and made leaping catches over defensive backs downfield. And the best way to sum up, Marcus, you can maybe make the case he's the best pure football player to ever wear silver and black, one of the best in NFL history. Howie Long himself said, not only was Marcus the best runner on the team, he was the best blocker. He had better hands than any wide receiver, and he threw the ball farther than any of the quarterbacks. That's how great Marcus Allen was. And as far as what went on in training camp yesterday, you know, I'm one, maybe I'm just jaded over the years. I don't pay a lot of attention because everybody looks great in training camp. Everybody still has hope. I'm not overly worried that a rookie tight end got beat up by Max Crosby. And I'll be, And I'll be flat-out honest with you. The Raiders drafted him to replace Darren Waller. Uh, yes, he needs to be able to block, but it's going to be more important the way Jimmy Garoppolo likes to play football that this guy, this guy catches 70 to 80 balls this year. That's going to be his big value to the Raiders. And, I, and I, From everything I've seen, I have no doubt he'll be able to do that. Um, let's get to the wide receivers. Um, I, I'm with you. This was a really, really hard one for me. I went round and round. I think the, the, the top four are pretty obvious. Um, Freddie, Tim Brown, Cliff Branch. You changed my mind though, JT. I had Warren Wells. I'm going to go with Art Powell. I looked at the numbers. Powell's were just, there were much better receptions. Touchdowns were pretty equal. Powell was first. And, uh, and when it come, came to my second team, I, I got Swerve and Mervin. I had Mike Ciani, but you know what? I'm going to go Jerry Rice simply because it's hard to have any type of list and not have Jerry Rice, and I forgot that he did play four seasons with the the Raiders, and not a lot of guys. As I said in one of our text messages, it's funny because outside of the top six, seven, eight guys, there's not a lot of longevity in guys that have had seven, eight, ten-year careers. Um, I also went with Willie Galt, and the guy I also... uh, Devontae, I'm going Devontae, um, honorable mention, he's only played one season. Granted, that was a great season, but I just can't put a guy that's only played one season in silver and black on an all-time list. But the guy I did throw in there was Amari Cooper, and like you said, he's 15th in receptions. Amari Cooper opened his career with back-to-back 10-touchdown 1,000-yard reception seasons. Only Tim Brown and Cliff Branch, I believe, have ever done that in Raider history. i, d- I got to look at that a little deeper, but I'm 99% sure it's only those two. Again, James Jets there. There's so many and so many explosive receivers. Hell, Randy Moss was a pure dog and flat out quit on the Raiders, but put up statistically two really good years. So so this is a fun one. That's pretty much those are pretty much my picks. I, I also wanted to throw in there Mike Ciani, a guy that kind of gets lost. I got mm-hmm. him as an honorable mention. Mike Ciani was a stud, was a great receiver, was kind of pushed out by Cliff Branch and he had the misfortune of playing in an era behind two Hall of Famers, Freddie Blitnikoff and Cliff Branch. And let's face it, in the early to mid seventies, you didn't play a lot of three wide receiver sets. So he got pushed to the side, but Mike Cianni was one hell of a receiver. Anyway, that's my pick. Hey, Chris, hold on.
1: Chris, hold on one second because you've been good at this. There's two other guys that I want to mention that put up significant numbers in a limited amount of time. Michael Crabtree had 25 touchdowns, 25 touchdowns for him. And then what about Doki Williams? Doki Williams had 25 touchdowns also, and he played in 74 games, more than Rice, more than Powell. Uh, more than Warren Wells here. So that's another guy that I thought, and I'll blame me, it got lost in the shuffle here. Doki Williams is 18th all-time from 83 to 87, and he had some productive years.
3: You know, I, it's funny. I, I, I had thought of both those guys. There's got to be a cutoff point. That's what's weird about this position in the history of the Raiders. There's a whole lot of guys like that that were productive for three, three to five years, but there's only a handful of guys, the Hall of Famers and a few others, that really were there eight nine ten years that, that the longevity pretty much puts them on the list. James Jett's in that category. James Jett played for the Raiders for eight or nine years, much longer than Rice Crabtree and those guys. But I'm with you, Doki Williams Crabtree. There's a whole lot of those guys that are right there to me in the honorable mention level. But like I said, you, you, the, the original the top four is pretty much a no brainer. And, and and you know my my second team was. Warren Wells, Willie Galt, Mervyn Fernandez, and Amari Cooper. But you could just as easily make the case for Doki Williams, Crabtree. That's the fun thing about this list. There's no right or wrong answer. And there's a whole lot of guys that are pretty much comparable with the careers they have with the Raiders. But as always, thank you, man, for giving us the voice to voice this. There's nobody else in America doing these kind of talk shows anymore. And believe me, the Raider Nation appreciates it. Talk to you
1: later, my friend. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, I love having these conversations here. As the first team, as we look at the all-time Raiders team at wide receiver, it's safe to say everybody, I mean everybody has Tim Brown, Fred Bolitnikoff, Cliff Branch, in any order that you want. We're not we're just looking for four. And in that fourth one, the big decision really comes down to what's it gonna be? Who is going to be that player that becomes the fourth player all time? And I'm leading towards Art Powell over Warren Wells, and their numbers are pretty much pretty much identical as Chris just said other than the fact that Art Powell here, Art Powell, Warren Wells had more receptions, but when it came to touchdowns, Art uh, Powell had 50, Warren Wells had 42, and then the rest of the numbers are pretty much identical, and they were both great players. One of those two guys are going to be four, number four in group one, and the other player, no matter what, is going to lead off the next group of that, and I'm happy everybody's understanding about what's going to happen here coming up with Jerry Rice. I mean, Jerry Rice, four seasons with the Raiders, he put up numbers, man, 3,286 yards. That's 14th all time. And Jerry Rice, you know, had 18 touchdowns, but Jerry Rice had big playoff touchdowns and helped this team get to a Super Bowl. Some of the other players weren't able to do it, and I'm a big personal fan of the Hall of Famer in the Canadian Football League, in the Canadian Football League, who also played for the Raiders, Swervin Mervin Fernandez, who we'll see here. And even though a lot of people question Jerry Porter, Jerry Porter had 30 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards. Jerry Porter is eighth on the Raiders all-time receiving list. Jerry Porter will be on my list as we keep going. 702-365-9200. More from Josh McDaniels. Today, asked about the running backs. Remember, no Josh Jacobs, but... I'm not concerned. Most aren't concerned in the national media. Josh should be here. It depends on when he wants to come back and get ready for the start of the season. But Coach McDaniels talked about the other running backs earlier today.
2: Uh, I mean, it, everybody's getting opportunities. Obviously, you, the backs are all going to get opportunities in training camp. They did last year. They will always do that, you know, because this is our opportunity to try to get them all, quote unquote, a foundation in our system and, and see what they can do and see if they can develop and improve. I think this is a really important time of the year for everybody in that regard. Um, you know, when when JJ's here, I I you know, like I said, I mean, you 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 go with what's the best thing to do for the team, you know, and. Um, and certainly that, that was him last year, and I wouldn't expect that to be different this year. But, again, you know, we'll, every game's a little different. Every situation's a little different. You know, The health of the team, et cetera, um, these guys all have great opportunities right now, and that's what they're focused on and trying to control their improvement day-to-day, and um, you know, they're really working hard at doing that. So, And we haven't had a lot of looks at some of these guys. You know, like This is only our second opportunity with Britain. Our second opportunity was Amir. You know, uh, Sincere, you know, had a couple good runs yesterday and he you know, this is his first opportunity because he got injured last year. So um, excited for these guys because every day there's something to learn from.
1: Yeah, I thought Sincere McCormick ran hard today from what I could see. Zamir White is the topic that most of the national media is talking about. When will Zamir White get the ball? How often will he get the ball in a backfield with Josh Jacobs? Last year, Josh didn't give any, anybody else a chance and that was great. All for that, I did not see that coming. I thought they were going to have more of a running back by committee. I thought that Zeus would get the ball more often because he's a young, fresh back out of college, and Josh Jacobs was just too good. And Josh wasn't coming out of games, and Josh took control of that backfield and said, this is my deal, and he led the league in rushing. Uh, even with Josh coming back, which I'm confident he will, and be ready to go, you know that Samir White's going to get touches. And when it comes to Britain and Brandon, or Brandon and Britain, whoever you want to go down that road with Amir Abdullah, they have choices to make. You know, I don't think a team of this magnitude that has such a great offense, such an amazing passing offense, if the guys who make the team, who I think are going to make this team, are there, I don't think you need five running backs. I don't. They got a really good fullback. And if you have three running backs who are playing and you go to the practice squad, I'm okay. But this is about Josh Jacobs and Zeus and what's going to happen with Zamir White. And there could be a game or two where Josh is playing well. If he gets dinged up on a play, he gets thrown out of bounds. Zeus comes in and plays 10 plays in a row. The next thing you know, he could be over 100 yards. That's a good problem to have. What this team needs is balance and the ability to get very explosive whenever they want. Uh, Watching Jimmy Garoppolo today, who Vinny Bonsignore is going to join us in studio, uh, talked about him being on a pitch count. I'm fine with that, too. I got a chance... To see Jimmy throw some good balls. Some were broken up in coverage. He was picked off by Marcus Peters. I was there right there in front of me to see that first interception for the new number 24. And Jimmy throws a great short ball. Is he a super L-way type Marino deep ball thrower? No, he, he's never been. But he can get the ball downfield. He can get the ball downfield when he needs to. But on one play today at practice, and I was talking to Vince Sapienza from Fox 5. We were watching together. And he led Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro did an out route. And Jimmy led him on an out route that was about as precision and perfect as I've seen. Hunter came out of the break. The ball was away from his body, away from his hands. Hunter, who's a wizard, caught it, outreached, uh, outstretched his hands, caught it in stride, and turned upfield. And it was a beautiful thing. And for Jimmy Garoppolo, when he breaks the huddle and looks left, and there's Devontae. And inside Devontae is Jacoby. Myers. And then behind him is Josh Jacobs. This is Jimmy Garoppolo. And then Michael Mayer is on the right side as a receiver playing tight end. And next to him is Hunter Renfro, kind of in the slot or potentially going out wide. Good luck with that. The Raiders are loaded on offense. If the offensive line holds up and improves the way they improved with the running attack last year, and they're able to find a way to do a good job and do a little bit better job pass protecting, which they should, another year of them all being together should give them more chemistry and confidence along the way, then Jimmy Garoppolo will be able to pick apart defenses in that 15 to 30-yard area. Now, I got a hook to that point I want to make. The reason why the Raiders won six games last year and struggled so much is because the opposing quarterback was able to pick the Raiders apart. Say it with me. 10 to 20 yards. Remember I called it that soft pillow zone over the middle of the field where the Raiders had no one to cover? That's what Garoppolo is going to be able to do to other defenses. Pick them apart the way the Raiders got picked apart. And then if everything goes right here with the Raider defense and they're a little bit more stout with their passing uh, rush defense and their linebackers drop into coverage and just do a little bit of a better job, next thing you know something special could happen around here. But no one's going to believe anything special is going to happen around here until we see this defense picking off balls, recovering fumbles, hitting hard over the middle of the field, and then getting off the field on third down. The only way we're going to be able to see that is we've got to wait for the first game of the year. Raider 66 joins us as he has throughout this promotion. What's happening? Go ahead. Hey, JT. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you.
4: Good. Yeah, just a couple of notes on the, on the receivers, you know. Um, Art Powell, uh, you can't miss with that guy. He had 81 touchdowns in his career. That's one of the highest touchdown-per-catch percentages in ever in the NFL, like 16.9%. So the, the guy was just phenomenal. And then you got Warren Wells, who only had 156 catches in his career. Until they changed the rules several years ago to have the minimum 200 receptions to be on these uh, best all-time NFL lists, mm-hmm. he had the highest per-catch average in NFL history. So uh, the the guy's pretty good. Um, Cliff Branch, uh, belated happy birthday to Cliff. Yes. And tomorrow will be, uh, unfortunately, the fourth anniversary of uh, us losing him. Now, a lot of people say, you know, these are all great players and everything like that, but they don't know about what they do off-field. Cliff Branch was not just a great receiver. He was a great person. Uh, The October 1 shooting uh, back in 2017, uh, not long after that, there was a big fire in Santa Rosa where Cliff uh, lived. His house caught on fire. He lost everything except his three Super Bowl rings. You ask Mark Davis, you ask anybody that knew Cliff, he had a museum in his house. He, he was like a hoarder. You, you couldn't get around. People didn't want to come over and watch football games with him because there was no place to sit. He had Raider memorabilia up the wazoo, and it was all lost. What does he do? When he finds out a couple days later after the fire, he comes to Las Vegas to help the victims of the October 1 shooting. That is the kind of quality person he was, a Hall of Fame person, person and a Hall of Fame player. Uh, Tim and Jerry, those two, they're great. Um, when Jerry Rice came over to the Raiders, it was uh, the first preseason game. You can ask Tim Brown this when you see him. Uh, he's getting manhandled a little bit by the uh, defensive back, and he goes to the official to plead his case. The official is not listening to him. He comes back to the bench, Tim's sitting there, he sits next to him, he goes, man, that guy's getting a little handsy with me, the official doesn't want to do anything. Tim is chuckling at him, he goes, Jerry, you're not in San Francisco anymore, you're playing for the Raiders, just get used to it. That is the, uh, the kind of stuff you've got to get used to. And you know, as great as this receiver group is, it could have been even more impressive. Back in the 1962 AFL draft, the Raiders drafted this kid, nicknamed Bambi. And because of the financial situation, because he was also drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, back then, the AFL and the NFL had separate drafts. The Raiders were in not very good financial situation. They didn't think they could afford him, so they traded him to the Chargers. And then this guy named Al Davis, who was a receiver coach for the Chargers, jumped the gun and beat everybody, he beat the NFL and everybody. He signed Lance Allworth to a contract walking off the field of the Sugar Bowl game January 1, 1962. Um, I think if he knew that he was going to be the Raiders head coach the next year, he might not have done done that. But uh, that's something that uh, you know, could have happened, another Hall of Famer that could have been with the Raiders. Uh, thanks, JT, for the time. Thank uh, you. Your lists are great, and, uh, and thanks for what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, and thank you. I couldn't do this without you. Chris in West Oakland and Raiders 66, just two of the consistent callers that have called in on this. I really appreciate that. Before I get back to Cliff Branch quickly, I just want to mention Morris Bradshaw. Morris is a dear friend. Uh, Morris, I wanted to mention his name for the contributions, not only as a wide receiver and a Super Bowl champion, what Mo was able to do for this organization off the field. Just a brilliant human being, 104 games for the silver and black for Morris Bradshaw. Okay, He had 11 touchdowns, but he played and he was a reserve player, but when he came in, he did his job. He was fantastic, along with Mike Ciani. Ronald Curry. I wanted to mention Ronald Curry and his ability to play and what he was able to do along the way. Seth Roberts. I'm mentioning wide receivers who had an impact on this team for a short period of time and are on this list of the top 50 yardage receivers of all time. And James Lofton, James Lofton only had five touchdowns and he only played in 28 games. So I can't put the Hall of Famer James Lofton on this first or second team, but we all know he's a Hall of Famer. And as we said, big boy radio. We know that James Lofton's one of the greats of all time. All right, Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us coming up here in studio in a minute. And we are working on some guests right now. And we'll let you know Levi Edwards from inside the building next hour. 702-365-9200. The monologue brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own the Strat. Arizona Charlies. 64-plus taverns here in the Valley. PTs fuels the monologue with the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2.
0: Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza.
1: Okay, JT, back with you as we continue on. Music! I love music! Music! <laughs> more music, please, as I bring in the great Vinny Bonsignor, kind enough to join us. And Vinny is here in studio with us as he was at practice yesterday, and... Vinny, let's jump in. I got a lot to get with to you. I want to start off with first off the pace of play the last two days, the padded practices. Some of your big takeaways.
0: Yeah, uh, noticeably different in yeah. in terms of the pace, and you could tell that there's been some carryover from last year to this year uh, in Josh McDaniels' offense, and conversely, defensively uh, as well. So I think things are moving at a faster pace. You like to see that uh, because it means there's. Less talking about it, less explaining, less trying to remember what you're trying to do or the coach trying to remind you what you have to do, and more just going out there and executing.
1: Uh, Max yesterday versus Michael Mayer. I I said before you came in here, they'll be talking about that for a decade or two. It'll be a great learning moment Mm -hmm. for other high-profile rookies who come in on both sides of the ball. And it's not a knock against him. It's just Max showing him, and as Coach McDaniel said today, a baptism into the league in the first day in patch.
0: Yeah, and it's actually a lot of respect because Max Crosby knows that the Raiders need Michael Mayer to be good ASAP, right? And so I think... The def- everybody in the building understands Michael Mayer and what he's potentially going to mean to this team, not just this year, for years to come. So there's a respect level just in itself that we're aware of you enough that we're going to put you through this. And we were standing on the sidelines yesterday, and it was it was apparent from snap one, something's going on here, um, because it was just way too many of max and and uh and michael crossing paths and it was all on one-on-one type situations in 11 on 11 and max found michael mayer every play and threw him around like a rag doll sometimes and it was pretty intentional uh and, and blatant and we kind of immediately realized uh, us watching from the sidelines he's putting him through his nfl welcome to the nfl uh, moment and and i gotta say this First of all, Michael Mayer never backed down, mm-hmm. and he kept getting back up, and he took it like a pro, and uh, and that's a great sign for the Raiders, but on the other side of it, Max Crosby is just a marvel to me, and uh, I've seen this before, but it's only one other guy, and that's a guy by the name of Aaron Donald. Um, he 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 would have practices like that where he was baptizing a teammate into the NFL, and it takes a lot to be able to carry that out because we're talking about two physical big human beings that are very good at what they do. Um, And to win the battle the way Max did against Michael Mayer and and really, you know, uh, put him through the ringer like that, it takes a lot of talent, strength, explosiveness, tenacity, um, everything, intensity, motor, high motor. Max has all of those things. And to, to, what was it, the first day of pads, to attack that and attack Michael Mayer like it was the Super Bowl, says a lot about uh, Max Crosby.
1: Vinny Bonsignor joins that. Should he be ready for it, Michael Mayer, in these uh, controlled scrimmages that are going to be coming up? Considering that he had that baptism already, he's got to be ready for Max from here on out in similar situations. And then when we get to the scrimmages.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And there aren't going to be that many times Mm -hmm. where Michael Mayer is locked horns one-on-one, with a premier defensive end. Yeah, no. Usually a, the tackle's going to help him out. I mean, they literally put him on an island uh, a whole bunch of times just one-on-one with, with Max Crosby. That's, that's not really going to happen a whole lot, maybe every once in a while. But it tells him this is what it looks like at this level. This is how fast it is at this level. This is how good players that you're going to be uh, dealing with uh, from from now, you know, until the rest of your career. And this is how you're going to have to bring it. So uh, it was just it was it was a fun moment and one that I'm going to remember for yeah. a long time because it was. Uh, it was intense, let's put it that way.
1: Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. Let's uh, transition to Jimmy G and how he chirps and what he says, because you're able to hear it when you're up close and you're paying attention to Garoppolo, who's had it looked like one poor day or average or below average, but the rest of the camp has been pretty solid. What did you think of the two days with him in pads and today as you're reporting him on a bit of a pitch count?
0: Yeah, uh, so he, he missed the back end of the practice. Um, that was by design. Uh, going back to Monday's practice, Not a good practice at all. And Mm -hmm. we all wrote about it. We all talked about it. But I was watching him during that practice on Monday. And what impressed me, even on a struggle day, was his demeanor never changed. Mm -hmm. And he was smiling and he was playing and he kept getting after it. And it just was a flick off of his shoulder. And I kind of made a mental note of that because I'm thinking, okay, how's he gonna, what's it going to look like Tuesday? How's he going to respond on Tuesday? And he had a great practice uh, on Tuesday for the most part. And talking to some of his teammates, uh, Amir Abdullah came up and talked to us about how important that is to see from your quarterback, just the even keeled, uh, don't get too high, don't get too low. And I know that's a cliche, uh, but Amir put it uh, really well because let's face it, everybody's looking at the quarterback, whether you're in the stands, the cameras are going to find you, but you know what else is looking at you? Your teammates. And if you're a guy that's too high on the highs and too lows on the lows, and it's um, apparent in your body language and your in your demeanor, they're going to feed off of that. the The, the players, your teammates, are going to feed off that. So to have a leader, and this is you know quickly becoming apparent about Jimmy G, and I think that his teammates really appreciate this about him. To have a a, a teammate and a leader that kind of flicks it off and moves on to the next one, whether it's a 60-yard touchdown or a pick six for an interception, um, and just moves on to the next play, doesn't let the last one affect him, Uh, that goes a long way in your locker room.
1: Vinny Monsignor is our guest. Let's transition to the cornerbacks. It's a real big hot button for me. With Bennett as a rookie, how much can we see from him? The speed is there. We've seen the playmaking. That's what I love about him. I don't have to see a play made from him all in camp to know that he can jump around. There's enough film on him doing it that at the lower level, but I'll, I'm sure he'll make the transition. And then Nate Hobbs. You know, I'm a big Nate Hobbs guy where he could play on the outside, but now to be comfortable having him in the inside more. What are you optimistic about? With this whole room and the competition for the fourth, fifth, and sixth cornerback on this team.
0: Yeah, and and getting back to uh, Nate, you know, he had missed, what, four mm-hmm. or five yeah. uh, practices after the— Hey, that's miss- a lot, by
1: the way. Yes, it is. I mean,
0: it's an unfortunate situation. You get hit in the face.
1: I saw the video again today. He got hit in the face with a softball. Got clocked. That was a significant injury. <laughs> he missed time, but uh, yeah. he's, well, he'll be 100% ready going yeah, to gonna be. Yeah. he's
0: going to be fine. But what it did was it opened the door for uh, a guy like Ja'Corian Bennett to get some important early reps. Mm-hmm. And I think what— what he turned that into was, at least for now anyway, um, maybe a little bit of a comfort zone from, from the Raiders to say, hey, we think that he could be one of those perimeter guys. Um, so I was curious to see, all right, when Nate comes back, where is he going to line up? Well, he's been back for two practices. And as I've been charting, you know, the, the plays, it's been when 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 it's the starting cornerbacks, quote-unquote, uh, as of right now, because it is still training camp, it's been Marcus Peters on as one perimeter cornerback, Ja'Korian Bennett as the other uh, uh, perimeter cornerback, and Nate Hobbs in the slot. So that's a change from last year. Remember, mm-hmm. he he went from rookie slot cornerback to second-year perimeter cornerback. Now it looks like maybe he is moving back to that slot. and And if Marcus Peters and... He's still working his way back into shape, uh, but if he gets back to being Marcus Peters, <clears throat> then I think those are the Raiders' best three cornerbacks: Marcus Peters, Nate Hobbs, and Jacorian Bennett. That looks pretty good. And then when you start looking behind them, and unfortunately for Brandon Faison, we'll see how extensive that injury was that he suffered uh, yesterday, got carted off the uh, off the field. But behind them, now you have a Duke Shelley. Now you have a David Long. These are great, David Long's played in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He's played in some really big games uh, as a member of the Los Angeles Rams. I was there when they drafted him. They liked him. He's been a solid cornerback in reserve. Um, then you have Duke Shelley, who had a, a good year last year with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Amik Robertson. Uh, Tyler Hall, who uh, every time he's on the field, he's impressive. Yeah, he, All of a sudden, is. you're looking at some depth with the Raiders that we haven't been able to talk about for a while here. I counted it with, this includes Brandon Faison, but I want to say about 250 games and 70-ish starts from the reserve players, guys that you're looking at with the Raiders to be reserves. That's a lot of experience as reserve players that the Raiders haven't had in, in a while. And a lot of these guys, we say reserves, but they're going to be on the field. You know, whether it's your nickel package or your dime package, uh, a lot of those guys are going to actually yeah, get played. They're going play. to play. So to have that kind of experience, that level of experience, which since I've been covering uh, the this, this team, I haven't seen that kind of experience from their reserves and the rotational players. Uh, to me, that's that's got to bode well.
1: Vinny Monsignor, as we wrap it up, that's a really good point by you. The reserves who have to play – have got to play at a higher level than what we saw with this defense Mm -hmm. the last couple of years from the two other regimes. They just have to be more prepared. Earlier today we found out that Jalen Smith was here getting a workout. What is your reporting on this? Because I thought that Dave would be interested in bringing in another starting linebacker if he felt it was appropriate. Where do we stand there?
0: Yeah, uh, that workout concluded. Uh, It feels more of a due diligence Mm -hmm. type of a workout. Let's get a look at you know Jalen Smith just in case. Uh, doesn't feel like there's anything imminent, but that can always change. You know, you're always looking and evaluating and watching the film. And you know, if, if there's if, if and if they liked what they saw from Jalen Smith, then that's somebody that becomes a possibility if they want to make another move. They brought in uh, was it Darius uh, yeah. Harris uh, the other day from Kansas City. Um, you know, three year veteran uh, at linebacker. So uh, they 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 it, it's 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 you know not obvious, but it looks like and this goes for every position, uh, they're looking at ways to improve and to strengthen um, and to fortify. I think they're okay with their starters right now. Luke Masterson, when it is a three-linebacker set, uh, you know um, uh, Robert Spillane and Divine Diablo. Uh, but behind them, that's another area where there's not much experience. Uh, Darius adds to that experience, uh, and certainly Jalen Smith would as well.
1: I love you mentioned Divine Diablo. Uh, being out there today and noticing him, He just jumped off the field at me with his size. You know, I I saw the same thing when I was next to Colton the other day. Colton Miller looked just more fit to me, Mm -hmm. and more fit and stronger around the upper body. And I I saw Divine, and I looked at Vince Sapienza and I said, "I can't believe it. He looks like he looked to me to be a young gazelle when he came here, Mm -hmm. and now he looks like someone who has just put on maybe ten or fifteen pounds. Am I right to say that of muscle? About, 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 yes,
0: yeah." Yeah. That's
1: a big deal because I think he got the message that this is his window. This right. is his chance not only to stay here under this group, but to have an impact and not come off the field. Are you sensing that?
0: That, absolutely. And then also, um, you, know, you, you, you learn pretty quick uh, that durability is important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes durability is uh, being able to withstand the physicality of the sport. And for somebody like Divine Diablo, remember, he was a college safety that was moving to NFL linebacker. That's a different body yeah, type, is. right there. So he had to find that uh, over the first couple of years of his, career, of his career. Well, what works for me in terms of having to deal with the physicality of being a run stopper, but then also the fleet footedness that's required to be uh, somebody that's uh, an asset in pass coverage because linebackers these days are that's that's part of the job. So um, to, to to improve the physicality part, he added some muscle and some weight. Uh, But he also, in his mind, he talked about this last spring, was, but I can't go too far because that's going to hurt me in pass coverage. So uh, last spring he was in the process, or this past spring he was in the process of trying to find that sweet spot and said by training camp he would hope that he would have that answer. So watching him out there now, and he's no doubt demonstrably bigger. He's just a bigger dude now. Uh, but he looks really good in pass coverage, and you know uh, it's it's hard to tell in run coverage right now because they're not hitting as much as you, you would in an, in an actual game. But it looks like he's going to be able to stand up to that as well.
1: Last one for Vinny Vonsignor. Try to give us a timeline on what you're expecting or suspect will be playing time for some of the starters in the preseason because there's only one home game yep. at Allegiant, Okay, mm-hmm. Then two road games. What does the rest of the league think about the second game compared to the third game? The second game getting the starters. It used to be the third preseason game with the fourth, the dress rehearsals. Has anything changed? Are you getting a sense of what happened last year with Josh McDaniels going 4 0 in the preseason and how good they looked? I mean, they. With they all some, backups, basically. Absolutely. And they looked pretty good in yes. Titan. They had it going. How that can change or not, or it's no big deal.
0: It changes from building to building, yeah, situation to situation. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember having this conversation with Sean McVay, and, and he would be a guy that would hold the starters out. But he also told me, he goes, look, there will be a time where I'm trying to work in a rookie quarterback or maybe a second-year quarterback, and maybe my mindset will change depending on what my quarterback situation is that time. Remember, I had Matthew Stafford now. No need to put Matthew Stafford out on the field in preseason. Before that, it was Jared Goff, and uh, they, it was interesting because his first year with the Rams, he wanted to get Jared Goff out there, but Andrew Whitworth was injured. And then another tackle got hurt. And he was like, I can't put my quarterback out there with backup guys at tackle and maybe get this guy hurt. So it just abandoned the whole plan blew up in their face. So they weren't able to get their quarterback out there because they didn't feel comfortable about protecting him uh, at that point. Um, and then the next couple of years, it was it was, you know, no starters were playing. But as he said, there will be a time where that changes. And I think in this building and that's why I think the, the, the signing of Chase Garbers, I mm-hmm. think, is a yeah. signal that maybe we're not going to see much of Jimmy G uh, out there in the preseason games. And it's important to remember that starting next week, almost this time next week, uh, there will be a team. Another team here <laughs> practicing against the Raiders in the San Francisco 49ers. And a week after that, they'll be practicing against the Los Angeles Rams uh, out in California. So I think I think the Raiders believe that Jimmy will be able to get enough work in those joint practices where maybe he doesn't need to play uh, in the preseason. That's So you bring in a Chase Garbers to be able to cover that. Yeah, position. and
1: I'd hate to assume anything because it's right. not what I do, but... I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been injured so much. And right. I'm trying to be the guy on the radio to say leave the injuries alone. He's right. healthy, yeah. so I would be I would be kind of going back on what I'm thinking if I say get him in there in the preseason. I don't. I wanted to see Derek in the preseason, right? Especially in this new system that he had last right. year. I really did. Yes. I wanted to see him at least have that you know one quarter, a couple of drives mm-hmm. to get going. They chose not to.
0: They chose not to, and then he had the three interceptions yeah. to start the season last year. I don't know what played into that or if it had anything to do with it. I've seen it go both ways. I've seen where starters did play in the preseason and they looked terrible in the opening game. I've seen situations where nobody played in the preseason and it was a ball of fire to start the season. So I don't know what correlation you can make, especially when you're talking about one drive or one series or one you know quarter. Like How much effect does that actually have? In um, you know uh, when it does get to the regular season.
1: If I wasn't driving to L.A. after the show, I'd have some chilled tequila. There you with go. You. Let's talk tequila.
0: Dos Catas tequila, um, which is everywhere here in Las Vegas now. Uh, it is the uh, tequila of Las Vegas. Uh, They've intentionally done that, and uh, they're beyond excited about the start of the season. We're going to have some parties uh, out there during the season and can't wait to get started. I know Dos Catas is going to be a And aren't you
1: excited to get out there? I know we've done some remotes together last year, and we're going to do more and more. I just think Raider fans, I'm I'm happy where Raider Nation is right now. I think they're getting into Trey Tucker. I think they're understanding that Garoppolo is really unique at 100% Mm -hmm. healthy. They're patient. With the seventh pick overall, they're seeing Michael Mayer and this Max story. i I've talked Hikarian. to a lot of I, Absolutely. I talked to about eight or nine Raider fans, some who I knew and some I didn't, and I was excited about how optimistic they were out
0: there. Yeah, I think once you come out here and see some of the players we're talking about, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, like, it fits. Exactly. And Vinny's we'll see like, if it fits week one.
1: Vinny Bonsignor, everybody. When we come back, Levi Edwards will join us in about a half hour. And coming up at the top of the hour, the Raiders all-time team. We'll give it to you, wide receivers starting four in the reserves and the honorable mentions, which are big, coming up next.